Sound good? All right, if you got your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 2. We'll be there in just a moment. <clears throat> but uh, I, I thought of something this week. Um, birth announcements are out of control. You guys ever notice that? Social media has really ramped up birth announcements and gender reveals. Like, I was reading stories this week of gender reveals gone wrong. And there was a grandma, honestly, and this is so sad, there was a grandma that was killed at their grandbaby's birth announcement because someone thought it was a good idea because, you know, it's like the explosion of powder, right, of the, the blue or the, the pink. I almost said yellow. What does that indicate? The blue or the pink, right? And it's like, oh, it's a boy or, oh, it's a girl. But somebody decided to make their own explosive with metal and welding it up and whatever and wood on top and then the powder was going to ignite with gunpowder and shoot out. And essentially what they did is they created a pipe bomb. And tragically, it, it, it ended tragically. But I think it's because of social media. Like you have this grand um, thing that has happened in your life and so you've got to get out there and you've got to announce it. Whether it be a gender reveal or whether it be a birth announcement, have you like do yourself a favor and just Google or YouTube. I almost showed a few of them, like the birth announcements and whatever, but I just realized it's not appropriate to show naked bellies at church. It's probably not okay. And so the, the craziness of it, whether it be like the eviction notice, where they put the eviction notice like on the belly or like on the, the little sister's crib or whatever what might be, the big sister's crib, um, or like the promotion to big brother t-shirts, right? You get those. Um, or you have the, the mom with the baby belly, and you've got the dad with the beer belly sticking out, right? And that's the, the uh, announcement where one's eating for two and the other one's drinking for two. There's a lot of alcohol involved in these announcements a lot of times, which is kind of strange. But you've got this big announcement, and you have to get it out there in these creative and grand ways because it's a big deal. It's a big deal for you and your family, this event, like the birth of a baby, is a big deal, and you want everyone to see it. If you want to see, like, pure elation and pure joy, um, watch a compilation of videos of, of grandmas finding out they're going to be a grandma for the first time, where they reveal that to their grandma, and it's just tears and just freaking out. Just pure joy and elation, this, this big news, this big announcement. But in all the creative ways, I know there's probably people in this room that have had some very creative ways to announce that they're pregnant or announce that the birth of a child. Of all the creative and grand ways, no matter how many likes or shares that you got on social media, none of your creative and grand announcements ever compared uh, to a chorus of angels that announced the birth of Jesus. None of you were able to um, summon a chorus of angels or, or visibly see the glory of God shining all around you. None of these announcements, none of these creative and grand ways that we could come up with could ever compare to that Christmas night. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. You want to talk about wonder. They were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, 
who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Let's pray and then we'll get into this this morning. Father, thank you, God, for the sending of your son, Jesus. For the sending of that baby who's the hope of mankind, who is the hope of mankind. Jesus, I pray that everybody in this room this morning, that their eyes would be open to the beauty and the hope that is only found in Jesus, that is only found in you, in all that you did, because you love us in sending your son to come to this earth, to live a sinless life, to die a brutal death in my place for my sins, that I could be reconciled to you. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. Thank you, God, for making the way. Capture our hearts again this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. As Nate said, as Josh said, this morning we're continuing on in our Wonders series, looking at the sovereignty and the wonder of God, both in the macro, both in the cosmic, both in the big picture of creation of of stars in the sky, of prophecy long ago, but then also in the intimate, in the intimate Christmas story that we read every Christmas season. That when we open up the scriptures, when we open up the text, when we open up Luke 2, that we would see the beauty and the wonder that is found in the Christmas story, that it wouldn't be all too familiar to us that we would miss the awe and the wonder that is found in it. Like I said, in this series, uh, week chapter, uh, excuse me, week chapter, week one, we looked at prophecy, right? With the help of uh, Jay Seegert on the video that we showed, all those messianic prophecies, over 300 of them, fulfilled in the coming of Christ, in the coming of Jesus, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Christ, the promised one who was to come and be the redeemer of mankind. We looked at Daniel chapter 9. We looked at the beginning of um, uh, the book of Matthew chapter 1 and the, the, the 14 generations from Babylon to the birth of Christ. The detailed time frame that there was, that was uh, laid out, that those magi, that Daniel was the chief magi, that those magi were on the hunt, looking, looking at the stars, looking at the skies, wondering when the Messiah, the promised one, would come. Week two, we looked at DNA. Last week, we looked at DNA. That the author of life, God himself, he wrote this beautiful life code into the DNA of every one of us. That, that so much of our DNA is exactly alike, but there's just that sliver that makes us unique, that makes us us, that, that God wove that into our life. But then also, in the Christmas story, he sends his son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So the author of life makes the way for eternal life by sending his son humbly, a babe in a manger, for you and for me. And this week, we look at this wondrous angel announcement, the angelic announcement of the birth of Jesus. Like I said, the coming of the long-expected Messiah, 
the one who is foretold, the heir to the throne of David, yes, the king of the Jews, but more so the king of kings and the Lord of lords and the prince of peace. The angelic announcement, this grand announcement that that prince of peace has arrived. But what's wonderful about this announcement is not just the fact that the sky was full of a chorus of angels, but the wonder of it all is, 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 is more than that. It's fuller than that. It's both, yes, the angels coming, but it's what this tiny, vulnerable little baby would accomplish and what the angels proclaim. Worship, glory to God. Worship, glo- all the earth, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, this beautiful pronouncement, peace on those with whom he is pleased. They pronounced Good news for all the people. Verse 10, the angel said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This coming of this baby, Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah, he is the greatest news the world has ever known. The Jews in in all of creation were longing for the redemption coming through their Savior. And it is the most wonderful news of it all. This, uh, this year has been one particularly uh, of a lot of stress, hasn't it? And people deal with stress differently. Everybody deals with stress just a little different. Some of you people out there, some of you crazy, I don't say crazy, I wouldn't say crazy. Some of you deal with stress by organizing, right? Any of those type in here where you're like, I'm stressed out, I got to organize something, I got to clean something. Like, I wish I was more like, like, my wife wishes I was more like that. Like I dealt with stress where like, but I don't deal with it like that. What I usually do is I retreat. I kind of disintegrate into my nine, nine if you, and Enneagram people out there. I disintegrate. I want to take a nap. More than anything, I just want to disintegrate and just kind of fall into that place of retreat. Some of us, we deal with stress differently. We eat or we binge watch Netflix or maybe sometimes even turn to more destructive devices. Here's the problem. When you're dealing with stress, when you're dealing with angst, a lot of times it's really tough to pinpoint where exactly that's coming from. Have you ever felt off but not really sure why? Like for me, whenever I get a headache, it's like, a, it's like this like big like mystery, like trying to figure, okay, is it water? Have I had enough water today? Have I had enough caffeine today? Is it coffee? Is it like, did I have enough food? Is it, is it a tumor? That one coming here? Is it COVID? Do I have COVID? Like what? It's like this, like you feel off, but you're not really sure why. I think that, that much of the world feels that way. And they feel that way, like they're stressed out, there's anxiety, there's angst in their life, and they're trying to pinpoint it. They're trying to figure out why. They don't realize that the deepest longing of their heart is for peace, and that peace is not a thing. That peace is a person. That peace is the Prince of Peace, the one who the angels declare glory to God in the highest and on, and on earth, peace with whom he is well pleased. See, our stress comes from many different places. Our stress comes from um, sometimes seemingly merely circumstantial reasons. But I think for much of the world, for the much of mankind, that longing for peace is deeply tied to something internal. 
We read our text again, Luke chapter 2. In the ESV, it says in verse 13, And suddenly there was an, with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he has pleased. If you read that in the NIV, some of you read the NIV, it says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The Holman Christian Standard Bible, some of you are big fans of that one. It says, glory to God in the highest, uh, in the highest heaven, excuse me, and peace on earth to people he favors. Okay, so on whom his favor rests, and whom he favors, and whom he is well pleased. And I think this is part of our answer today. The greatest source of angst in mankind is the world trying to answer that question, is God pleased with me. I think a big source of our stress and anxiety in life isn't just the stuff. It isn't just money stress or relational stress or, or the economy or politics or COVID or any of that stuff. But the deepest longing in our heart is the question, is the God of the universe pleased with me? Is he pleased with me? Is, am I in his favor or am I outside of his favor? Is the reason why all this bad, horrible, terrible stuff happening, is it because he is not pleased with me or I'm outside of his favor? I think in the heart of man, that is the biggest question. See, if our faith is in Christ Jesus the babe who came in a manger full of hay, we can answer emphatically, yes, he is pleased with me. See, I, I've said this before. A lot of times when we talk about favor, and depending on what tradition you grew up in or, or what preachers you listen to or what kind of, you know, when you get, when you get into some of the, the prosperity gospel and some of that talk, they like to talk about the favor of the Lord a lot. And, like, you know, like, we can, like, break it down as, as, as silly as, like, finding a parking spot at the shopping mall around Christmas time. Right? You know, like, you're, like, driving, you're, like, looking for a spot. Like, it's not that much of a problem, because right? nobody's going outside today, like, now that, nowadays. Like, maybe the malls are empty, and I don't know it. Um, but, like, you're driving around, you're like, ooh, a parking spot up front. Oh, it must be the favor of the Lord. Come on. Really? God looks down on his children with favor. God looks down on his children and is pleased, just like I look down on my children. And even on their naughtiest days, I look down on them and I go, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're mine. I can't believe, God, you've blessed me so deeply with such beautiful kids that I get to shepherd their hearts towards you every day. I'm so pleased. Even on their, that's why I think, maybe I shouldn't say it because maybe there's kids in the room. That's why I think Santa Claus is such a sham. Like, the nice list, the naughty list, this or that, whatever. It's just this tool that we get to use to be like, ah, oh, you can put it on the naughty list. Uh. We are all unworthy. We are all unrighteous. There is no one righteous, no, not one. But God himself rent the heavens and he came down and became our righteousness simply because he loved you, simply because he loved you and he came down and he came down in the most humble fashion in a manger full of hay on that starry night. He put on flesh 
He walked this earth, and he did it sinlessly. And that sinless, righteous life is put on us by faith in Christ. And you know what that does? It justifies us. It's a fancy word for makes us right. Makes God look down on us, and he's pleased. His favor is on us, not because we were good enough, not because we did everything right and perfectly, but because Jesus did, and my faith is in him. And so his favor rests on his people. And so if your faith is in Jesus, you can answer that yes with an, uh, with an emphasis. I know my God is pleased in me, not because of me, but because of Jesus. And it causes me then to live every moment of my life as worship unto him. And so, if your faith is in Christ Jesus, the babe who came in that manger, you can answer, yes, my God is pleased with me. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we've been justified by what? Faith. Since we've been justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, this position of grace. We can stand before a holy God because of his grace, justified by faith, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. There it is, peace and glory, like Josh brought to us this morning in our introduction. Peace isn't just a feeling that we have but it's the status of the believer's soul and identity. Peace isn't just a feeling that we get, but peace is the status of the believer's soul before a holy God because of the work of Christ Jesus. See, Jesus might not make everything right out there yet. Jesus might not make everything right out there. All the chaos, all the disorder, all the hurt, all the pain, everything happening, he may not make it right just yet. But what he does is he makes everything right, right here. In my heart, in my soul, he makes me right before a holy God. And that puts me at a status of peace with him and thus fills me with peace. See, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, has come down to be our peace, justifying us and making us right before the Father and putting us at peace with God himself. I'm reminded of the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9. We often read it. We read it, I think, at the beginning of our wonder series, the beginning of our Advent readings, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, for us, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Peace is the status of the believer's soul in Christ Jesus. But it's also the status of the believer's heart as we walk with God. See, this status of being at peace or being right with God produces in us feelings of and a mindset of and a heart state of peace with God and, and with each other. 
See, there's this transcendent nature to our walk with God that I think oftentimes we forget. See, we have hardship. We have trial. We have struggle. There is death and hurts all around us. Jesus said that we would. In John chapter 16, verse 33, it says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I have said these things to you that you may have peace. This world's going to be full of trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. See, when Jesus is your all, when Jesus is our surpassing worth, when Jesus is that pearl of great price, he's that treasure hidden in a field, I abandon everything I have and everything I am for the sake of obtaining that thing because it's my greatest treasure. I sell out for the one who undid my previous life. I sell out to the one who who died for me. I thus then die to myself and follow him every day. When I behold the beauty and the faithfulness of Christ, when I behold the steadfastness of Jesus through his word, it transcends every circumstance I face every day. And even in the trial and even in the struggle, my heart and my mind can be set on peace because of Jesus. The problem is we take our eyes off of him. The problem is, is our eyes tend to drift downward on the things of this earth. There's an old beautiful song that I love. Uh, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Remember that one? Look full into his wonderful face. I've said this before, I think. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Love that song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus because the things of this world then grow strangely dim in the light of him. My eyes tend to drift off of him. Um, Have you ever taught a child to ride a two-wheeled bike? Anybody? Who's taught their kid how to ride a two-wheel bike? Okay, a lot of people, okay. Um, I've taught three out of my four kids now how to ride a two-wheel. I'm pretty good at it. If you need help, I've got, some, I've, got some, I've got some good tips. But I wasn't always good at it. Plenty of times, right, you're running behind, you got your hand on the back of the seat, right, and you're just you're pushing them, and we're going, and then you let go, and there's nothing like the sound of a kid on a bike crashing into some big plastic garbage cans. Ever, you know, like when we were down in Bayview, we had an alley, and that was like the safest place for our, us to ride our bikes. So we'd, I'd get them going down the alley, and all of a sudden, like that sound, like it's just I can just hear the sound of big plastic garbage cans, and and Oliver and Gus just plowing into them. It's just beautiful. It's awesome. But I got good at teaching them, and it's because I realized something. Kids, um, kids stare at the bike. They stare at the bike while they're pedal like while they're pedaling and you're doing this and you're you're running behind them, their hands are here and their eyes are here, and they're like staring at their pedals, they're staring at their feet, they're like looking at the handlebars and their eyes are down. And I, I discovered something. When they're doing that, there's no way they're gonna find their balance. And so I came up with a phrase. Oliver, what's the phrase? Eyes up, find your balance, right? Eyes up, find your balance. And so I, I would just remind them that I keep saying that in their ear while I'm going, eyes up. Find your balance. And when their eyes were up, all of a sudden, they could feel the bike. They weren't staring at their feet. They weren't staring at their hands. They weren't staring at their pedals. They could feel it. It's the same thing with us. Man, our eyes are down, and we have no balance. There's discord 
everywhere around us. We're looking at the things of the earth. We're looking at all the shiny objects and all these things that we think are going to help bring us peace, but we just need to simply get our eyes up and find our balance in the one who is the Prince of Peace, the one who makes us right and puts us at peace with the Holy God, we need to get our eyes off the things of this world and get our eyes on him. We often lack peace. We lack stability. We lack balance to our hearts and lives because our eyes are down. We forget the transcendent nature of Jesus and the peace that he gives We're stuck looking at the wind and the waves and the storms and the trials instead of looking at the one who wondrously commands those winds and waves, the one who spoke that water and spoke those currents into existence, the one with the power to speak peace, be still, and the waves and the wind, they have to obey him. We got to get our eyes on him. And he may just do it. He may speak out, peace be still, and the storm and the trial that you're in might become still. Last night we were praying. Before dinner, we had uh, my my mom over and my grandmother over and my brother over for for dinner for an early Christmas thing. I'm praying for the food, and and I'm just kind of praying about life. And I actually prayed, God, wipe COVID off the face of the earth. Like, he has the power to. He could say, peace be still, and it would be gone. Whatever trouble and trial that you're struggling with in your life right now, he has the ability and the power to go, peace, be still, and it could be. But you know what else he would do? He might just extend his hand. Say, I got you. I'm walking with you. We're still going to walk through these waves. We're still going to walk through this wind. We're still going to walk through this trial, but I'm with you. Here's my hand. I think we forget the preciousness of that moment. I think we forget the preciousness of what that is, that God himself loves you and will never leave you or forsake you. And that in the darkest times of your life, in the most stressed out times in your life, the most lacking peace times in your life, yes, he could say, he might say, peace be still, and, this, and, the, and the situation is eradicated. The situation is gone, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, I don't have to deal with it anymore. But you may have to deal with it. He might decide to not do that. But what he gives you is far more precious himself, his hand and just walks with you and leads you through those darkest times. And I don't think we understand and realize the beauty of that. Like, the beauty and the nearness of our God in some of the most difficult times we ever face. I want to feel the nearness of God. And when everything's awesome, and when everything's going great, I tend to gravitate to self-sufficiency. I tend to gravitate towards my own methods, my own fleshly pursuits. But like, I can do it on my own because it's easy. But when times are tough, when 2020 hits and, and people die around you and, and people lose their jobs and all of that stuff, I can either go, ah, oh, God, Jesus, wake up. You're sleeping again. Wake up. Say peace be still, would you please? that's a valid and legitimate prayer, and he might just say, peace be still. But I promise you, even if he doesn't, he's going to give you something way more beautiful, 
and he's going to reach out his hand and he's going to take you and he's going to walk with you every step. That's beautiful. That's something that we'll never experience unless we have to walk through that storm. We'll never experience the true peace of God that transcends the circumstance unless we walk through that circumstance tethered to and tied to his word and his Holy Spirit. I was reminded of this beautiful truth just the other day. We were walking into a new situation and um, my kids will still take my hand when they're nervous. I didn't realize it. But I, my kids will like still come up to me and when we're in a big crowded room or like stressed out or whatever it might be, they'll just grab my hand. And I realized what they were doing. Like, okay, they're a little nervous right now. What beauty. We have the ability to do that with the creator of the universe. I was reminded of a psalm this week, Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Remember, it's him that makes us right. It's him that makes us righteous. And when, when we are found in him, he will sustain us. The nearness of God is seen so beautifully in the Christmas story that God himself would put on flesh, come down so humbly, that he left a perfect, exalted position and he put on that flesh, he put on the corruptible to experience everything we could ever experience, to extend his hand and to walk with us through it and redeem it all for his glory. We need to tap into the nearness of God we need to tune our hearts and our minds to him. We need to get our nose into his word daily, that steadfast, perfect, unchanging word. We need to tune out the world, tune out the media, tune out the falsehood, the things that fill us with fear and anxiety and stress, and take the Prince of Peace by the hand and walk. And walk. You see, Jesus... He left his followers something beautiful. Ever have anybody leave you something? Like they're either going on a trip and here's something to remember me by, or maybe somebody leaves you something in a will and they leave something behind for you. Jesus in John chapter 14, he's leaving his disciples something. 14 verse 27, it says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He says, my peace I give to you. And it's not the same as the peace this world tries to sell us. How does the world try to give us peace? How does the world try to sell us peace? Oftentimes we think of it as like relaxation exercises and massages and meditation and yoga and, and float therapy or whatever you're into all trying to instill some sort of peace, keep us at peace. But the world tries to promote a peace. Oftentimes it's, it's security, it's, it's 401Ks, it's retirement accounts, it's health insurance and healthcare systems, all promising peace and security and comfort. The promise of and the distri distribution of a vaccine, there's a hope of peace, right? 
politicians promising a strong economy. There's our hope of peace. Brave law enforcement professionals securing our peace. Locks on our doors, security cameras. The world tries to give us peace. And Jesus gives us a peace that is not of this world. See, the peace of Jesus is found in the person of Jesus and in his promised Holy Spirit dwelling in us. So if you read John chapter 14, he is actually promising the Holy Spirit. He's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send the helper, and the helper's going to come and, and lead and guide you into all truth. When he says, my peace, I leave with you, verse 25, just two verses earlier, he says, these things I have spoken to you while I am with you still. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He promises the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit living and dwelling in us will be our peace. Oftentimes, see, like we're, we're told in Galatians, right, to walk by the Spirit. The life of the believer, we're to walk by the Spirit. Our lives are radically different. We no longer walk by the flesh. We no longer walk to the, uh, the, according to the wisdom of the world, according to my fleshly, natural, sinful desires, but not even by, by my own wisdom. Like, man's wisdom is all about self-preservation. God's wisdom, like, God came down and died put himself, served everybody, didn't try to advance himself, but served everyone else. That's not man's wisdom. That's God's wisdom. That's spirit wisdom. And so we know we're supposed to walk by the spirit, but I feel like oftentimes it's a last resort. Like we try to accomplish everything we can in our flesh, in our own natural means. And when we can't do it anymore, when we can't be good enough, moral enough, look good enough, we go, oh, I got to rely on the spirit. We see it in our prayer lives. We see it in our approach to prayer and how we approach prayer. Do it all on my own. Do it all in my own way. Do it all in my own flesh. And when I can't do it anymore, rely on my God. We are to walk by the Spirit. When we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the sinful flesh and we'll have peace. The peace that he has promised by his Holy Spirit the one, the helper who is to come and to not only be with us, but to dwell in us. Right now in this world, the world needs peace. It's been a doozy of a year. It's been a lot of discord. It's been a lot of division, even within the church. The world needs peace. And we're not going to find it by natural means. Because the deepest longing of every heart is the peace that comes by being made right with Jesus. And then out of that comes a heart set and a mindset of peace that transcends every circumstance we ever face. We can consider it pure joy when we're faced with those trials because we know that Jesus transcends it all. We can walk through it with confidence knowing that he's got me by the hand. And his Holy Spirit dwells and lives and walks with us every day. This Christmas season, I hope that you find peace. 
If you've been running from God, if you've been running from Jesus, I implore you to turn and repent and give your heart to Christ. Let him fill you with his spirit. Let him fill you with his presence and that you will find peace in the most uh, difficult times of your life, in the most chaotic times, the most stressful times of your life, that you can still have peace because the great Prince of Peace put on flesh and came to this earth for you and me. It's pretty wonderful. That's pretty wonderful. And so it's my prayer today that you would find the peace that only comes from God. I'm going to ask Nate to come, and we're going to pray and worship together one more time. Father, we thank you for this morning. And again, God, I thank you that you have sent your son, Jesus. That you have sent your son because you love us. That he is the Prince of Peace. God, for those in this room that have been stressed out, full of anxiety, full of fear, full of mistrust. God, I pray for peace right now that only comes from you. God, if there's anybody in this room right now that is outside of you, they've been living for themselves, they've been living for their sinful desires, they've been running from you, God, I pray that you would capture their hearts right now and they would experience the peace that comes by being made right by faith in Jesus Christ. That they would experience salvation in you. God, that they would be at peace. God, I know that the holiday season is really difficult for some people. For some people, it's joy and it's celebration. This year in particular, God, I know it's going to be stressful for some. It's going to be lonely for some. God, I pray for peace. I pray for a church, God, that reaches out considers their brothers and sisters. Helps encourage and, and bring some of the peace that is found in Jesus to them. God, continue your work in us. Continue to help us see you, to follow you, and to be at peace with you. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing together again.